today on Bell and the Birdman. Jonathan, my boy, come here, have a seat. Who do you want to be? Also, the next steps for the Eagles offense and goddamn the division sucks. It's all coming up from the Sandbox Studios. But first, Taylor, hit the music. Hello, everybody. It is a very special Liquid Death Day because, ooh, Vince Quinn brought in. Well, we'll tell you about it later, but definitely. Mm. Listen to the sip. Stay for the takes. The beautiful Vince Quinn uh, is here with us. Taylor Cordatis is always back at Sandbox Studios uh, where throat's feeling a little better. Liquid Death is helping that. LiquidDeath.com slash bell is always to help out the podcast and, of course, them as well to get free shipping on every case you order. Vince Quinn, how are you, sir? Well, John. What's up, buddy? Oh, God, the berry does. I haven't tasted the berry in a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really good. Uh, it tastes like victory, John. It tastes like 1-0. <laughs> it tastes like 1-0 against a dog shit franchise that gave Certainly everything does. they had. Now, credit the Detroit Lions. They gave everything they had in that game. <laughs> they really did play that like it was their Super Bowl, but they suck and they don't have enough talent. And ultimately, they still lost, even though we didn't play a good game. Uh, so much like uh, Vince Quinn, which you will uh, see uh, in the in the race on YouTube. If you're uh, if you're already subscribed to YouTube, you'll you'll see that. I'm but, gonna uh, kick your ass. <laughs> all right, you talk all the smack you want. <laughs> um, I am going to uh, talk some smack tonight, especially to the defense. And I think it's just you know everybody knows that this is coming because uh, you and I have watched the the game more than a handful of times and. Had the unique perspective of seeing it live in Detroit. So thank you again, Vince from Philly Sports Ship. Still can't get over the time that we had. So cool. Uh, I'm going to bury Jonathan Gannon. I'm also going to bury Howie Roseman a tiny bit in this, which I don't think you expected. And there are a plethora of questions that I have in terms of an identity crisis. And I know that there are a lot of people this week that have focused on Jalen Hurts and the reads and, you know, some of that stuff with the middle of the field and all the boring stuff after he just fucking, you know, crushes it with A.J. Brown. No big deal. Just ignoring that part of the game. But in your mind, we both agree the identity crisis lies with the defense, not the offense right now. Yes. Yeah. I, I the, Having been able to rewatch it, I have an idea of what the offense is trying to do. And I think for them, it's it's kind of like, you know, tadpole grows a couple of hind legs and some <laughs> front legs and it loses the tail. Like we're just in the tadpole phase, but I think I know where it's trying to be. I don't know what the fuck the defense is. I had no idea. And I was Mr. Though. Let me tell you, John, the defense is going to be the best unit. Everything's changed <laughs> right out of the gate. They're doing this three, four thing. We're going to see five guys on the line all the time, which was not the case. It changed constantly. Yeah. And I think is a major problem. I mean, they're trying to do so many things at once that I don't think they're good at anything right now. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Like, they're, it's almost they're scared to commit in any which way so they don't make mistakes, and that's why they make mistakes. And one thing i got to get off my chest because I've seen it all day, all day. Thanks a lot, PFF. It's just like this automatic check of, like, I know why the Eagles' defense is bad. They're 32 at 32 in missed tackles in week one. And if you can't tackle, how good of a defense can you be? And there's going to be some Iron Man bullshit takes that come out <laughs> for the next three days because of that. Yep, It's exhausting. They're missing tackles because their defensive coordinator is not setting them up at all. 
at all. And it's just like I get madder and madder every time that I've rewatched that game, which is about three or four times specifically just for the defense, by the way, because it's just I don't know if they're being smart. I don't know if they're being stupid. And to your point, this is like I feel the identity of Jonathan Gannon is exactly this, a car salesman or the dude who put on the Fry Festival. Like, it is <laughs> fire that festival. fire festival. That's what it is. Oh, my God. It's that That's level of convincing because look at what happened in back-to-back off seasons. The first off season, Jonathan Gannon came out here and wowed us. They said, wow, look at this guy. He commands the room. He's so smart. He's like Brandon Staley, except maybe he's a little better or his own identity or whatever it is. And then we saw what he did and we went, oof. And then they got new pieces and all this other different stuff. And we took an entire offseason to be like, oh, my God, this is going to change. And they're shifting. And I was dumb enough to say Jonathan Gannon won the, 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 the locker room challenge or whatever it is. It's his show. It's on his sword. He got all the power. They're going to do whatever they do. And that is not what happened at all. Again, the second offseason in a row where we feel this, this guy is going to, you know, finally, like, learn more about what he does. Same shit. And I think I know the problem. And it's not missed tackles. Are you ready for this? And sure. I'm so sorry to say this because, because I'm, I, I just can feel the, the tension in the room. The problem with this defense right now is Fletcher Cox still. I, I, like, I have tried to convince myself. I go, no, you're, you're not seeing this right. And I would love your opinion on this, Vince. Taylor, if you have any takes on it, feel free. Jump in the Discord, 215-509-5833, if you feel differently about this. It's still centered around him. You know, like, it's a GM paying this guy $14 million, and it's completely disrupting the flow. All of the questions about, why isn't Jordan Davis getting more snaps? Or is that going to improve as he earned more than the 22 that he got, or whatever the question was? And... The answer is no for a couple of different reasons. One, I don't think Jordan Davis is comfortable, nor Nicobe Dean is comfortable in learning whatever the hell Jonathan Gannon is trying to throw at them. I would, I would feel so bad if I was one of them. So they're going to stick to their skill sets and what they were really good at in college. You're trying to dragging this fucking 4-3 over to whatever it is, unders 5-1. We didn't even see five five linemen down with their hands in the ground at all, if I if I remember correctly in that Detroit game, maybe a handful of times. Not much. If they did it, yeah, they sent five occasionally, but not enough. So my, I don't know if you remember this, but my biggest concern from the offseason with Redick was, one, it's your only big pass rusher. We talked a little bit about the post game, and then it just shows up so bad in game one. You're trying to cater to Fletcher Cox so much that it neutralizes why you signed Reddick in the first place. He needs guys to clear space and for the flow to end up into the linebackers. And Fletcher Cox is not a guy that is going to sit and anchor like Jordan Davis. And we keep yelling, why are they flying through? Why, why was DeAndre Swift so successful? Because Fletcher Cox, I said the same thing for a couple of years. I go kill the quarterback. I'm not. I am not, you're not teaching a dog, an old dog, new tricks. You just aren't going to do that. And so until that problem is solved, until there is a, I I don't, you tell me, Vince Quinn, I'm just, Fletcher Cox is the best part and worst part about this defense because he is the only internal guy right now after week one that has gotten pass rushing pressure. You don't trust your first round rookie to do it. And now you're sticking Reddick into a goddamn wall so he's exhausted 
and you're neutralizing every part of his athletic, God-given talent to go kill the quarterback, which is why he had 13 sacks to begin with in back-to-back years or whatever it was. So that's where I'm at. Fletcher Cox is a problem for this defense, and he's the greatest thing about this defensive line right now. Well, he's supposed to be, but but that's the problem with this identity crisis. If you ask Jonathan Gannon if he had started a band, what kind of band is he? And he's like, well, we're a bluegrass, R&B, country, rock, post-metal <laughs> fusion. And, and you're just like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like, you've got to be primarily one thing and secondarily another. Like, yeah. And that's the problem, I think, with all these defensive linemen and where Fletcher Cox is at the core of this is, okay, if you're going to have these guys in a lot of situations, we're, we're going to be grappling and fighting at the line of scrimmage and, and trying to create lanes for the linebacker to make tackles that's one thing if we are attacking his defensive linemen and going after and we're making the tackles the linebackers help us clean it up that is another thing so they're trying to do both constantly you're changing your style your mentality constantly and for Fletcher Cox who last year pretty publicly well stated that he did not like Jonathan Gannon could have gotten traded to the Browns all these different things he is out there on the field and by the way I didn't think his line was any good when he was out there no. on Sunday. I mean, him and Har- Hargrave sucked on Sunday. I'm yeah. a massive Hargrave guy. He sucked on Sunday. Can check um, the box off why they didn't extend his contract in the offseason. That was the first thing I thought of rewatching that. I go, okay, there's something wrong with him physically, and we just don't know a lot about that. Or like, yo. He did miss time. So he yeah. did miss time in camp, and that's what I was thinking watching yeah. back. I'm going, maybe he's not 100%, and it just it just didn't work Probably out. Probably the case. But the, the backups were better. I mean, they just were like Milton Williams was really good in that game. All things considered, he was one of the few guys that was constantly and him and Jordan Davis together as a tandem were making a lot of shit happen and stopping the run. So everybody wants to make it about Jordan Davis because he's the first round pick and he didn't get as many snaps as people expected. I'm, I'm not surprised he only got 22 snaps. I yeah. mean, this is what we all thought months ago. So I'm not necessarily shocked about it, but those guys played a lot better than Hargrave and Cox. And you just start to look around and go like, all right, what the hell is going on here? Marlon Tua Palatu uh, got a lot of snaps. Outsnapped on, and, and he was playing a, a lot of time. And you're going, okay, what's going on here? So it's weird because that guy who nobody was talking about or interested in all offseason, suddenly he's playing a ton of snaps out there. And he was the main guy paired with Reddick. I don't know if you noticed that, but he was the main guy that was playing the defensive end spot huh. next to Reddick when Reddick would go line up wide and be a pass rusher. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Probably so, explain some of my uh, my scratch head uh, stuff yeah, when, when watching the pass rush. It just yeah. looked like a lot of times I I saw those two together, and it was it was just weird to me. And so see, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that only makes me feel really solid about where Fletcher Cox's mentality is. Like, if that's the only guy that you can pair up next to him and feel comfortable about what you can execute, I'm going to keep arriving at the same answer. You know, like, you're you're catering this thing to Fletcher Cox and maybe to a point now Brandon Graham. You know, like, I know it seems silly, and yes, Derek Barnett, uh, if he didn't didn't know by now, like, has, it tore his ACL, so it's a season-ending injury. And I wonder... If, is that going to at least wake up, remove the rotation of, of that? Like, can we can we get serious now, right? Like, was Derek Barnett even going to be effective on the field? And I'm not trying to kick a man while he's down because I actually feel terrible. Like, man, first game of the freaking season, you can't even, like, <laughs> warrant that, that, that uh, you know, next-year uh, contract or whatever. But you get what I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm trying to say here. Like, I think they have to be disrupted to come up with a solution so they go away from this stuff. You know, otherwise, you're going to see this for the next three or four weeks. 
We very well could, and that's that's a dangerous place to be because, I mean, we'll get more into Minnesota on Thursday, but yeah. Minnesota looks pretty fucking good right now, so uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about with that going into the matchup. So uh, thinking about all of this, where it's going to go with the defense, yeah, like what we talked about going into this and what you were excited about was the idea of this is pressure coming from everywhere, all these different guys yeah. all over the place. Who is it going to be? And like in the few occasions they blitzed, it did work, uh, didn't do it enough. So if you've got all these defensive linemen you'd like as pass rushers, you're cycling all these guys in and out, and you really can go at the time, Sweat, Barnett, BG, uh, Reddick, Cox, Williams, Hargrave, like all these different guys, and, and that's not even mentioning linebackers and whatever. The corner blitz was really mm-hmm. successful. Why not send five all the time? Like, why not be in this 3-4 and have these outside guys and Sweat is one of your edges and we've seen him do it where he's standing up and lining up in the dirt. He can do both and Reddick is standing up all the time. Why not send five all the time with your defensive lineman? It's the strongest unit you Mm -hmm. have on your defense. You might as well lean into it and play consistently more in that field. And if you need to switch it up because a certain matchup in a given week is dictating that, all right, maybe you should play more 4-3 because of this and that with, with scheme, fine. But... They they did they did both all the time and so they weren't doing anything. Yeah, and you're not wrong. I completely agree. It's a, it's that's what I mean. Like how it's 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 trying to. If if Jonathan Gannon has such a complicated system in terms of placement or where people need to be, then I then I think that does solely rely on the DC. Like that's. Stop making your defense so goddamn complicated then. Like, just simplify and simplify until, like, you get to a point where you don't have to deal with a brick wall like Fletcher Cox or whatever it is. It just seems like you're fighting against something that you want to stay as a coach. Like, it's a fine, like, like no, we're going to do this. I don't care what my $14 million starting lo- offensive or defensive line think, like, I'm just going to keep doing it because this is the way I want it to be done and I don't want to do it a different way. You know, so I think that's really the crux of, of, of where it's at. And I wonder, like, will Jonathan Gannon lose his ego enough to do exactly what you said? And I don't think so. I don't think there's a lane to simplify or to just say, screw it, we're doing this for right now. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's weird, too, thinking about the Fletcher Cox problem, right? Because we knew he had all those issues last year. And they did cater the defense to Fletcher Cox. Then the offseason hits. They resigned him. Yeah. Why? I I don't I don't know. I mean, it's it's like I I he must have just it, it, this was just the only place that was going to give him enough money and decided to stay. But if if you're going to cater the defense to him, then why? Like you had the leverage. You know I, what I mean? I, it's I, just it's all it's all a little weird. I feel like it's a, a still a slight Zach Ertz situation. It might just not be as loud. You know, like Fletch will stay here for fourteen million dollars and not say a bad word in the media, right? But if there's an opportunity that arises where you can okay. get something, it needs to stay around and look pretty, right? Okay. So here, here's a fun idea. Let's let's revisit last year again, where we talked about Fletcher Cox getting traded to Cleveland. Yeah. Maybe he does get traded at the deadline. And if you can trade a guy like Fletcher Cox at the deadline for somebody of substantial value, plus you've got $9 million in cap space, you really can get whoever the hell you want. Yep. So you can, and by the way, I would still stick in the NFC West if I was a betting person right now. Like someone in the NFC West is going to get baited into taking NFC or AFC? AFC West. I'm so sorry. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, AFC West, somebody's got to keep calling. 
Somebody, somebody. The Denver Broncos. I was going to say Denver. <laughs> yeah. That, that, After, seems, that seems like a Denver. After that you know? shit show the other night. My goodness. Uh, we'll my have a goodness. Bonus segment about that on Thursday. After some, I can't, I'm waiting for Russell Wilson to speak uh, a couple of times this week. So, uh, Did you see that suit he had? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Going to prom? Yeah. Practicing high fives. Like all the practicing high fives was so funny. Thank the, God he's not here. Yes. Thank, thank God. God. That passing chart from last Everything night. Everything would have been great. Just, Everything would have been great if he was here. But anyway. Just want to remind everybody that Jalen Hurts had a better week one than Russell Wilson. Okay, great. Fantastic. Uh, I want to remind you some other things, too. Uh, there, there is some... Some other interesting things with the defense I think we can get into for sure. But the most interesting thing is this can that is right in my hands here. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see the glitz and grammar, uh, glamour uh, rather of the Bury It Alive seltzer that I have in my hands. But, folks, this is, this is like a chrome can full of death. And, and when I say full of death, I mean the beautiful, most uh, refreshing water from the Alps that has been carbonated with a little bit of agave and some wonderful berry flavor in there. It is just 20 calories per can. So it's not like it's just going to fatten you up and, you know, it's not going to be like the, the OG liquid death uh, cans that are just flat water to keep you hydrated and, you know, make you look tough when you don't want to oh, drink any beers in Detroit. That's for sure. <laughs> we had a Sometimes lot. you just hit your beak and you need a little refresher and that's what liquid death does. It murders your thirst. That dry sensation that you have in your throat all the time when you're just partying hard you know people are trying to pass you cigarettes there's smoke all over the place you, you don't know who who's going to show up and you just want something that just cleanses your palate it's right here and uh it's um you know the best thing that you can do for the environment as well if you're using that single use stuff all the time so uh liquiddeath.com slash bell as i said before you can get every order uh, that uh, you purchase uh, shipped to you for free by using uh, that link right there every time. And like if you're uh, even in the subscription. So if you're a subscriber and want to get it sent to you every month, bang, same thing applies. So uh, let us know uh, what you think of any of the new flavors that you have tried. I know that the, everybody's kind of keeping tabs on where it's popping up. Uh, Apparently, uh, Kroger's is is a place where you can go get it, and of uh. course, Seven uh, Eleven hooked us up on the way from you know Ford Field very drunkenly uh, on the <laughs> way back to our place as well. Uh, Vince Quinn, we have gone through a big identity crisis with uh, with the defense, and I feel like it's starting to bubble that way with the offense. Uh, again, this is something I think we both agree on. There is no really offense uh, offensive identity crisis. No, but I do feel. We need to talk about that. That uh, oh man, that, that, was, that was a Taylor. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, what, what do you mean? Uh, well, we were at the game, and I feel like off the top of my head, there was three Devonte calls that were not thrown his way. Interesting. You think they were like on the primary target, and and well, to Taylor Gradas's credit, if you've been paying attention, I mean, he did say one of the in his in a worst thing projection, like yeah. A.J. Brown could completely neutralize uh, Devontae and so far one of one <laughs> or one of 18. Excuse me. We can we can check that up. Do you think that's an issue? At first, I did rewatching the game. No, he got like four or five targets in the game, which is OK. I mean, for that's a number great. for a number two wide receiver, though, it's OK. Yeah, he dropped a couple. Jalen threw him a bad one. There was another one where he caught it and had a couple of yards, and then it got called off due to a penalty. So Holding. Yeah, so, like, he got involved a little bit, They had, and especially early. They were trying to get him the ball early, so they literally planned all week to get him involved in the offense. It just didn't work out, 
And then AJ was just, I mean, the guy was wide open or just dominating people. And he set a franchise record and, and a career record for the half. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't, I just can't get mad about it. But thinking about the offensive identity and figuring all this out, here's what I noticed the most is for all the times where plays broke down, Jalen did a great job, right? He's running around. He's getting 12, 15 yards. I mean, he was a fucking monster on the ground, and he won that game. But the whole reason that happened was because they don't have any quick release shit. You know what I mean? It's a, There's not enough of that in the playbook. They tried a couple of quick screens to A.J. Brown. I thought some were a good idea. I thought some really weren't. And outside of that, they just didn't seem to have enough stuff built into place. We're like, all right, Detroit's sending seven guys, you know? Get the ball out. But it's all this, like all right, we got to do the RPOs and we're going to do play action and all that stuff takes time rather than just like snap fire. There's, yeah. I, I don't see that in the playbook yet. It's a lot of like seven, 10, 15 yard plays, which are nice and got them the win, but you got to figure out what to do when you're getting blitzed all the time. Cause better teams aren't going to let Jalen run for like a hundred yards. Right. It's yeah. just not going to happen. And you know, they'll probably contain him a little better. And I, I, I still don't know why Detroit didn't put at least like a spy on for a series or something like that. But, um, I don't think that's an offensive problem. I think that's a Jalen problem. And that's, that's something that is going to have to continue to evolve. I completely agree. And I would say it's more on Jalen, even in an RPO situation or even just a, simple you know play action from shotgun is to recognize that the blitz is coming on and if you know that any good quarterback is going to immediately go i'm not going to rpo here i'm going to just stand back i'm going to accept the rush if it's there and i'm going to throw a slant to aj and the other part of that is too you've said this for fucking months middle of the field right so now you're asking a guy who's not comfortable in the middle of the field to now throw it and make a decision which Again, according to all Eagles Twitter, he's not the greatest at or whatever, but I think that's just a, t- a timing thing, an evolving thing. So the batted down balls, the the all that, like there is no quick release repertoire for Jalen Hurts right now. That I think is an offensive problem, an offensive limitation, right? So like and a big one that that I completely agree with. I just don't think that's on the coaching staff, more or less. I do think. That is going to be the ongoing debate from it's it's who's responsible for what, right? I am not happy with the flow of this offense, but that's where it pretty much stops. I think all it has all the working parts. Um, it has an identity from the jump of the season. It knows it wants to be a throwing team. Uh, we kind of debated what kind of throwing team that was on the post game while we're going around Ford Field, so feel free to go back and jump into that one. But, you know, like it has... Uh, direction all three running backs scored touchdowns fantastic that's what it wants to be it wants to keep fresh legs it wants Jalen to do the majority of the work it wants AJ to do the majority of the work if Dallas is needs to be targeted more absolutely I think just everything that we're talking about in terms of usage is literally what you said Detroit played them a certain way and I don't know what everybody's problem with is if you're going to continue to leave A.J. Brown with single coverage. That means you don't trust the quarterback, and that's a good thing for the NFL to see. Devontae will get more involved the more A.J. is you know, double covered. There will be more exotic coverages, which I, which is, we'll wait till Thursday, but I'm a little yeah. nervous about for, for the Vikings and stuff like that. 
I don't think it has an identity crisis whatsoever. No, I, it, again, it's a, they're, they're at a starting point for all of this, and they've got to develop it. Jalen was good enough to get him through that game because the Lions couldn't contain him with, with, you know, with his legs, and he was able to, to beat him routinely. But also, to your point, like, Dallas Goddard was great in that game. Fantastic. It's great. I mean, he was he was absolutely killer in the moments where he used him. He'd get like 15 yards, yards after the catch, and thinking about where this team is going to. If, if they become a yards-after-the-catch football team, they could be really fucking scary good. A.J. Brown, monster after the catch. Dallas Goddard, monster after the catch. In those moments, like, Miles was incredible. Really good. Like, for what? A I person, know. For a person what? that <laughs> absolutely destroyed that man in the offseason. Phenomenal start to the season. Can't say anything different. And I and I <laughs> went back yep. and tapped the tape fucking four times to make sure my <laughs> eyes weren't lying to me. There are still some cleanup things in there, but it, it would really be nitpicky of me to to criticize Miles Sanders. So shout out to everybody that's keeping you know me in check and including Jordan, Jordan Weaver, including Jordan who joined Weaver. us in Detroit shout in a out, Miles buddy. Sanders jersey. We thought he was crazy for doing it, but Miles <laughs> scored. And also Barney, who will now host with us on Sunday yep. or Monday, excuse me. He'll be on the Monday live stream because yeah. he called the Sanders touchdown. Down and we did not believe on him the drive, yes. like in the discord we're sitting there in the stadium and he's like all right miles is gonna score and you gotta let me host this show. i'm like yeah no problem yeah it was like you're <laughs> fucking crazy barney yeah you can host the show go ahead <laughs> although i'm just saying if he can score one why couldn't he score all three um <laughs> <laughs> i like that and, and sh- shout out to the text line too by the way especially on game day uh really fun chatting with you and getting everybody's scores and throwing pictures out there to, you know, where we're tailgating and stuff like that. So highly recommend uh, you getting to know us through there, too. 215-509-5833. Not only that, it's very important to, like, uh, let you guys know uh, if you're coming to one of these things. It's just easier to communicate with you and, like, let you know where we're at, where, where the party's at, or, you know, all that stuff. So Yeah. So, again, going back to it a little bit, it's the idea that all these guys yards after the catch, the ability in open space. Like, Miles had so much contact in that game and fought through it and got a bunch of yards. So, Mm -hmm. if it's A.J., Devontae, Quez, Pascal, whatever, got it. Like, they're they're just all these guys are set up in situations to get yards after the catch, uh, pick routes and whatever. That could be a really fun place to be. Look, I spent all of last year yelling about slants. Did I not? I, I, I yell about slants all the fucking time during the season. I saw a few. Like, that is encouraging. That's a good place to be early. All the play action shit. It's like, this is what the Titans did to make A.J. Brown awesome. And they're starting to do that already. Yep. And for that being the engine of the offense, good enough. Week one, good enough. Yeah, because isn't that like, you wanted to know the identity. They've been working together all offseason to get this chemistry and timing down. Then it works the very first week. And we're sitting here going... I don't know. Like, that was the point of this. That was the point of all of us. Shut up. <laughs> They'll get there. It was the single biggest difference in the game is Jalen Hurts' legs and A.J. Brown's inability to be covered. He just can't. Yeah. He's, he is allergic to coverage. Yeah. So for those two things that won them the football game, it is okay. It's okay to be in, in, enjoying this a little bit, even with all the problems. Like this, I, I, Part of it's high expectations, and I've set them screaming 15 and 2 uh, the last <laughs> couple weeks. But like... They did win the game, and it's it's the first game of the season, and the Detroit crowd was as loud as I've loud. ever heard. Uh, yeah, 
crazy fucking, fucking loud. loud. My ears are still kind of ringing from it, and we're recording this on Tuesday night. It was loud. Yeah, that was as pumped up as they're going to be. They have this whole offseason. They get Hutchinson. He's a local guy. They get Jamison Williams. He's a big deal. Everybody's all, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. yeah, like everybody's all hyped up for Swift and what he's going to do this season. Their offensive line is really good and played their asses off in that game, too. Uh, all these things came together. The fans were psyched as shit. It was a sold-out building. There were a lot of Lions fans in there. There were a lot of Eagles fans in there, too. But, man, I mean, it was so loud in there, and they were so revved up, and they just gave you a great game. So, like, to get through that, a really good shot from the Lions – Again, it's a t- the talent gap is there, and it was Hertz and AJ were the two guys that you singularly point to as the reason they won. Yeah, and it's not their fault that they lost the lead. So, like, if the defense just it has one more turnaround, or if you know Covey breaks one, or whatever it is, then it helps out the offense, and we're probably not so focused on those critical moments. And when you had to go get another score, they did good you know like and you're not gonna hit every freaking drive so like i i'm right there with you man i'm i'm in low panic mode about that in very low panic mode about how awesome that tailgate on monday night is gonna be oh my god i can't wait for this and and we've got some exciting news too because if you don't know by now whether you're flying in or whether you are just gonna hang out with us locally hang for the watch party at the gatehouse at the navy yard because that's what we're doing afterwards we're just gonna hang out and stay there uh, you can walk right to the link if you want to. It's 10 minutes away. Uh, but for the very first tailgate, we wanted to make sure that everyone that uh, watches us, that listens to us, is taken care of. So uh, Vince from Philly Sports Trips wants to do that as well, and that's why we've partnered with him because he just gets it. So right now, you can use the promo code Washington Crew. And I know that sounds funky because, like, well, what if I'm not going to Washington? No problem. We're giving you the promo code of everyone that's coming on the Washington trip with us because if you are, by the way, signed up, that promo code will work for you as well. Uh, And you're going to get $20 off an $85 all-inclusive ticket. And when I say all-inclusive, I mean all-inclusive, baby. Not for Monday night, but moving forward, there will be free parking in South Philadelphia to go watch a game. And to go hang out and tailgate. So keep that in the back of your mind for October 2nd. And can you repeat that, please? Free parking. Like my car? Your car. 10-minute walk to Lincoln Financial Field. So I'm just going to say this. Even if you are, like, back and forth about the tailgate, there's free parking. Again, not this coming Monday night. There will not be free parking this Monday night, but every tailgate moving forward, there Sundays, will be. Sundays, yes. On Sundays, yes. Every Sunday, free parking. Amazing. Booze. Mimosas. Bloody Marys. So many different craft beers coming in and out on every different ca- tailgate, and we're going to rotate that. Uh, it's going to be amazing Monday night. There's so many people that have told me they're coming in for it. They need a place to go, and I hate Xfinity. Why does everyone keep going to Xfinity? It is the worst place on earth. They serve nothing but shit and trash, and you got to reserve a table, and it's like, ah, you got to pay like $90 before you even walk into the door. So what I'm saying is free parking with this promo code of Washington Crew. Washington Crew. An $85 ticket becomes a $65 ticket, includes everything for three and a half hours, and then there's stuff at the watch party afterwards. Like, I am so jacked to work with everybody on this tailgate this year and see what's uh, going on beyond. But please, phillysportstrips.com. 
And uh, go check out the tailgate tab. Use the promo code Washington Crew. $85 becomes $65. Can't beat that. You really cannot beat that. No, it's incredible. So uh, I'm excited for that. And I'm excited that the division is not good at all. (laughs) And we learned that this weekend. So that's the last thing I wanted to throw in there. Dallas, all those Cowboys fans that were giving a shit literally two and a half weeks ago are now turning on Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones as like, this was a huge mistake. We should not have paid Dak Prescott. In a matter of weeks of going, this team is going to smoke the Eagles. Minutes. Minutes. In mere minutes. (laughs) Dallas Cowboys fans are, are flipping themselves to... I told you this was going to happen, and f- fuck you, Dak Prescott, for taking all that money. And he's yeah. only going to be out four weeks. So, your thoughts? Well, that's what they say. <laughs> uh, Forty-eight. Yeah, I, exactly. And it, you're gonna you're gonna hype on the low line because you're just going to get people to hang in there after week one. But they're fucked, man. It's over. Like the Mike McCarthy coach to get fired betting lines, like Willie or won't he? I'd, I'd put some cash on that right now. That man is done. <laughs> that cook, that turkey is cooked. They're they're a bad team anyway. Like they were, they've always been an incredibly top heavy team. They lost some talent off of the top. Now they're injured at quarterback for a couple of weeks. It's not going to happen. They lost Connor McGovern, the fullback, turned starting guard, mm-hmm. turned fullback. Still, I don't know what the fuck. Uh, he's gone. He's yeah. he's out for a little while. So like they're injured like crazy. They're not that good to begin with. Washington almost lost to Jacksonville. And the Giants barely beat Tennessee. My, uh, my New York Giants. Your, Thank you. your New York Giants Thank barely you. beat Tennessee. Well, I've said all offseason, Tennessee sucks. That was one of the worst one seeds I've ever seen in my life last year. You know who doesn't suck real quick? Sure. Kyle Phillips. Shout out Jay Kent for yes. every fantasy advice from like March or April on to say that's the guy not trailing Burks. Shout out to you. We saw that a little bit too. Made me feel about uh, good about AJ Brown as well. Yeah, so. he, there's literally a Kyle Phillips channel in the Discord. <laughs> so if you have not been in the Discord, it's literally Jay Kent in the Discord. Six just for sixty-one, shit. baby. I'll take it. Yeah, he nailed it for for a fifth round rookie in his debut. That was pretty badass. So yeah, shout out I, to him. I'm still a little worried about the Giants, to be honest with you. I've gone back and forth with this all off season. I was like, all right, they're going to be better than than everybody thought. They didn't look terrible. The Brian Dables, like his cojones are just uh, enough to be different than Joe Judge to get you into maybe a wild card, I think. I think Dables going to be a good coach. Saquon looked really fucking good. He did. And they've they've put work into the offensive line that's starting to come together. Three rookies rookies started and it was completely different. So I'm going, shit. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of back to shit mode. Again. They got some guys who can play, but ultimately, Daniel Jones sucks. Their wide receiver game's a problem. Like he's that- great on the road. <laughs> like we have to point that out. He yes. is great yeah. on the road. I don't know what it is, but New York hates him, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's probably like everybody looks around. They're like, "Wait, are you Eli Manning?" And he's like, "No, I'm not Eli." <laughs> and uh, it just drives that was him nuts. My father, how dare you? Yeah. Um, so it, I think that that just gets in his head. But he's not that good. Like Canarius Tony played, I think seven snaps for some reason. Even though he's actually good when he plays, they just uh, he's he's got whatever the hell gotta going on. Got to get him out of that uniform. Yeah, he's a complete mess up there. So yeah. like they're they're just not a good team. They, they and, and again, Tennessee's not a good team either. So they got a week one win. It's whatever. I think their ceiling is like seven wins. Okay, that's it would be almost as good as last year, better than last year, right? They were they stuck there at four. Yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. Cause, I mean, they were they were one of the top picks, but also, yeah. I mean, the Eagles are going to have fifteen, so well, they're going to yeah. double them. So that's fine. Um, 
And then um, I actually have not rewatched the Jags Washington game at all, but all I needed to see was that stat line 26 for 41, two picks, four interceptions. Like, Right? Was that is that about right for Carson Wentz? Uh, I didn't have his exact stat line on me, but I know he threw a couple of picks, and some of them were pretty ugly, like going to defensive linemen on a screen, like Classic. those kinds of things. Yeah, he's it's four and two. Four, yeah, four, four touchdowns, two picks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so but it was against Jacksonville. It was a nail biter. Like that. Yeah. That team sucks. Um, I felt that same way. Like that was his Super Bowl because it was Doug, and he just wanted to. Why didn't you stick up for me, bro? <laughs> Game or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> but. uh yeah, man. I mean, um, there, there. Sh- if we are talking about any one of these teams creeping up to the Eagles in terms of division leaders, talent, they've turned it around. This team is nowhere as as, as where we thought it was going to be, or as as good as we thought it was going to be. If that conversation happens in like seven weeks, that's when I'd be worried. But other than that. I'm good. Yeah, there's nothing to worry about <laughs> right now. That's that's not my biggest concern. It's all just in-house and, like, how can they shape themselves up to be an actual Super Bowl contender? Yeah. Because the talent's there. It's just putting it together. I'm not, I just got a feeling that that's going to keep sticking together. Like, all this shit that we're talking about, all this stuff with team chemistry seems pretty good. Obviously, that goes away with losses. So, you know. It, it's not the it's not the biggest thing in the world. It's just like everybody's on the same page, and I got to shout out Jalen one more time. Did you see that post-game locker room speech? No, I didn't see that. That's a fucking leader. If you haven't seen that already, go to the Philadelphia Eagles social. It's on there somewhere. Just a really good post-game speech. You'll be like, hey, we know that shit wasn't good enough. We know that shit wasn't good, but that's what we got to do. We got to wake up and we got to accept the new challenge and push ourselves and do it. It's just like, yeah, that sounds like an, uh, uh, a guy that just comes out and it flows on like Carson Wentz's dumb ass that like has to have a script in front of him to say, know what to say in front of the locker room. So check that out. Check out uh, Vince Quinn's beautiful face trying to trying to trying to beat this guy, a true athlete in in a race. It's on YouTube right now. Nothing athletic about anything in that video. <laughs> no, it is not an athletic piece. The no. most athletic thing was the woman stretching as we're getting ready. <laughs> that is very true. The four people on the track that were going around were were uh, doing it right. I raced in uh, jeans and Spicoli style vans and. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. That's the kind of athletic uh, prowess that you have going on. Yeah, I was wearing these, uh, some flat Nikes. So flat Nikes? Yeah, there's there's no grip on these whatsoever. I've been wearing <laughs> them every day for a year. Uh, so I was wearing those, some khaki shorts. Yeah. I was fresh off of every liquor in the book uh, the night before. I think. Yeah, and I would I would say Vince was more banged up than I was. That fair? Definitely partied a little well, defi- harder. Definitely Sunday morning. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, was <laughs> the man had the puffiest eyes I've ever seen. I was I was pretty trashed. So and it was so enjoyable. Thank you, Detroit, and thank you to everybody that watched our post game show on YouTube as well. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, I know podcast listeners, you've already heard the show, but like, shout out to Taylor Cordatus for the camera work, the editing. Like, it was really cool to do a post game show walking around Ford Field. So. That's something that we're uh, excited to keep continuing to do. And uh, thank you again for subscribing, listening, and doing all the things. And, uh, you know, jump in the Discord. Let's have some fun. BellandTheBirdman.com for Taylor Kredatis. That is Vince Quinn. I'm John Barchard. And uh, we'll see you real soon right here on uh, Bell and the Birdman. Okay, bye. Bye.